0: Imagine children coming home who have, who have a, a white parent and a black parent and they go home and the confusion they must have. No wonder they're putting mental health professionals in schools because kids are so torn. I mean, I, I heard a story in Williamson County, Tennessee, where there's a, a Moms for Liberty and, um, and the, the kid's seven years old and he is, he is in therapy because he can't reconcile that his mom is an oppressor and his dad is a victim. Is seven.
1: Ready to live at the higher vibrations where peace, love, joy, and good health are the daily standard? That's what this show is all about. Welcome to Vibe. And here's your host, Robin Openshaw. Hey everyone, it's Robin Openshaw. Welcome back to the Vibe show. And today we're talking to AJ DePriest from Tennessee. Welcome, AJ. Thank you. Thanks. Thanks so much. So. You had a little segment on my friend Del Bigtree's show, and I got to it at the end, and I was like, whoa, what did she just say? And I listened to it a second time, and I listened to it a third time, and I told my assistant, you need to find this A.J. Dupree in Tennessee. I, I have this feeling that everywhere in America right now, especially most of the legislatures are in session right now, that everybody is being blanketed in paper. And that these, these bills that pass the federal government are like 500 pages long, which is mm-hmm. the, the thickness of like a ream of paper that you guys buy that are yeah. literally three inches thick. And before we get into what this thing is that you read and these mind blowing conclusions that you've come to that would explain why people all over America are like going to their school board meetings and getting absolutely nowhere and being like, are zombies running the place? Let's just go to what. what's your background and how'd you get into this? And how'd you end up reading? Like you must've had to read just hundreds and hundreds of pages to come up with some of these things well, that nobody else knows.
0: <laughs> well, luckily it wasn't just me. Um, Tennessee Liberty Network has 28 people in it. And I think a year ago we had 23 or 24 people but um, we started early. Um, we started researching the CARES Act, which is another behemoth of a boat anchor. And um, we started just looking in into all of the funding coming into Tennessee. We were mostly just curious about how the CARES Act money was going to affect just Tennessee, and we didn't find anything really horrific regarding schools, but then it was early. It was, it was January and February of last year. Um, we found some pretty disturbing things connecting the CARES Act to what was going on in hospitals and what continues to go on in hospitals. But by, by March, when the ARP Act was signed on the 11th of March, we immediately started looking into what's in the
1: ARP Act. A- ARP American Rescue Plan act yeah. right yeah. and and i should say that you know if you're listening to this and you're like well i don't live in tennessee this, this is happening everywhere
0: everybody. yes yeah we were just looking at how it would affect tennessee but when what we discovered not only affects tennessee but every state every school district every school every child in school and um, we we were just in shock too but Luckily, there were there were twenty three, twenty four of us, and and we've been researching this for a year. So, I know it's drinking from the fire hose for so many people who are just now
1: hearing about this. But for us, I mean, we've we've known about this for for a long time. Okay, and, so so the CARES Act, everyone knows what that is because that was the big, huge first multi trillion yeah. dollar. Act that was passed, and a lot of a lot of us small businesses got money. And I was very skeptical of it. And my bookkeeper yeah. was like, "Hey, all my clients are taking the money. There don't seem to be any strings attached." Because we are all familiar with the saying, "With the shekels come the shackles," right? And I was like, Absolutely. "I don't want to pay this back with interest. I don't want to be in bondage to the federal government." I, as far as I know, that the, the one hundred forty thousand dollars my company received, you know, has been completely forgiven, and there aren't strings attached. But maybe they were kind of dulling our senses or giving us a false sense of security, because now we have the ARP, the yeah. American Rescue Plan Act. What did you learn? Well, then the
0: CRRSA Act was actually signed by Trump in December of 2020. And that money, the ESSER 2 funds, then went to schools
1: in January of 2021. ESSER so- 2 funds. ESSER 2 funds. ESSR?
0: Yeah, ESSR. That's um that's the um elementary and secondary school emergency relief funds. And the CARE the CARES Act actually released ESSER one and two funds. There were thirteen point two billion dollars in SR one funds through the CARES Act and another two point nine five billion to a governor's relief fund for every state called the Governor's Emergency Education Relief Gear Fund. So that was all ESSER-1 and GEAR-1 funds through the CARES Act. Later in 2020, through the CRRSA Act, which is the Coronavirus Response and Relief Supplemental Appropriations Act, another $54.3 billion in ESSER-2 funds was released. I know this is a lot of numbers, (laughs) but but there's a progression in the timeline. It's very important here. And another $4 billion in GEAR-2 funds were released to the states. So, gear two. yeah, ESSER 2 and GEAR 2 funds. What's GEAR 2? That's the governor's relief money that all governors of every state got to use for education purposes and their to their discretion on top of the federal money that came into the states. So sr 1 money was, was a nice chunk of change. ESSER 2 money was a little bigger chunk of change. And then in March, of 2021, the ARP Act was signed, March 11. On March 24, ESSER 3 funds were released, and that was 122.7 billion dollars. So we went from 13.2 billion in SR funds to 54.3 billion in ESSER 2 funds, and then 122.7 billion in SR3 funds. So you see, it's almost like, it's almost like giving a drug addict a little bit of drugs and a little more drugs and then a whole lot more drugs to get them hooked. But here's the important part. In April, a month after the uh, two thirds of the ESSER three funds were released, the federal government released what was called the interim final requirements that became part of the ARP Act. And in those requirements, are all the requirements that you see in schools with universal masking, contact tracing, social distancing, isolation, quarantine, the testing, test to play, test to stay, all that testing, and vaccinations for entire school populations, staff, student, teachers. All of that is listed in the interim final requirements, and they were all uh, required in the interim final requirements, which is part of the ARP Act, to be part of what they called district plans that had to be submitted. So the federal government released a template to all the states, and the states all had to submit their state ESSER plan. That's their overall state ESSER plan. And in it were these requirements. They All those state reports were due June 7th last year. All templates all look exactly the same. So we found Tennessee's, all of Tennessee's documents, everything, and then it was easy from that point to find all the state documents for all the other states. And um, and then the the by late summer last year, all the district plans were due, and all the district plans were also built on a template, and they all had the requirements, the same requirements that were in the interim final requirements. So the timeline is important because the SR1 money was given no strings attached, ESSER Two money given, no strings attached, two thirds of the ESSER Three money, which was the most of all given to schools. And then a month later, they were given the requirements of what they had to do for that money. So do you see what the federal government did there? Mm-hmm. Yeah.
1: Yeah. And you know, when I went out there in late February, 2020, so before anybody was talking about this and everybody was just assuming we just had two weeks to flatten the curve and we just had the flu and everybody needed to do something. (laughs) Yeah. So this is rather unprecedented or whatever, but like it was then that I was like, this is a lie. This isn't going to be two weeks. This is going to go on all year and into next year. And nobody believed me. There wasn't anybody who believed me. Not everybody was super nasty, but lots of people were and nobody believed me. So I couldn't have predicted that we'd be two years in and in this kind of bondage. But so I'm kind of a high level person, like a strategic thinker. And I'm trying to take all these details that folks like you dig up, the analysts dig up and the people that I interview dig up. And right now I'm in the middle of interviewing families who feel like their loved ones were uh, tortured, uh treatments and drugs forced on them that they didn't want. And they absolutely denied and the families fought them and the families are kicked out of the hospitals and denied access to their, to their loved ones. I mean, we're all starting to hear this and I'm getting in there and and spending two hours with each family and then telling their story in a way that's, you know, 45 minutes and hits the high points because Mm -hmm. these families have just been through a trauma. That's almost hard to put for them to put words on. They're having a hard time, actually laying out their story because so much terrible stuff happened to them. I just interviewed this weekend, a family who both the mom and the dad were murdered by the Utah hospital system on the same day. And so this is the kind of stuff we're dealing with, but on the high level, what I'm seeing is that they, they fully are taking the dollar down and destroying the dollar at the same time that they use the dollar because most of the, little ants who've got the anthill kicked over don't realize that they're also trying to destroy the dollar. They're using dollars and flooding the whole entire system with gangster amounts of money Yeah, to get schools completely subverted and right. controlled to get hospitals and the whole medical system completely subverted and controlled they to get all the small businesses to be quiet while they destroyed us, mm-hmm. pulled the rug out from under. us. So they got everybody all teed up in total, in total debt, in total bondage. And they got the schools to take a whole bunch of money and then find out what they were on the hook for. And you just said what that is. So tell us, tell us more about what you're seeing. Because you're seeing, you know, these videos, these heart-wrenching videos of parents going to the schools and saying, Let our children out of bondage, and all these people on the stage who are elected on the school board just sit there and stare at them. Yeah. And do nothing. Never yeah. vote for the parents. So tell us, tell us what you've put together that would explain that. Well, starting in
0: about March or April of last year, right about the time the interim final requirements came out, we were watching a lot of school board meetings online just throughout the state of Tennessee to find out what was going on in schools. And, um, this bizarre behavior, you know, parents crying, begging them to unmask their kids. They're dropping just reams of studies on how masks don't work and, and that you're right, zombies are just like these circles for eyes, and they're they're just like suffering through these school board meetings. And um and when we found out about the SR3 money and the requirements involved in that, we realized pretty quickly that and now we know for certain that a lot of school board members aren't even aware of these requirements. They don't know exactly how much money the school system got. They're, they're just clueless. They're just told by their superintendents and their commissioners of education at the state level, just suffer through these meetings. And at the end of the day, you're going to vote for masks because we have to. Those are the requirements. So it's not going to matter. All these, you know, these people in the school board meetings who are carrying on. And at the same time, we were asking ourselves, why aren't there any hazardous waste? procedures
1: or equipment in schools. If, it's about, people, if it's about safety, yeah. if it's really about keeping the kids safe.
0: Why are they wearing masks for eight and a half hours a day when the OSHA regulations say you're supposed to change them every hour and a half? And there's very specific regulations about how you change those masks. There are no OSHA hazmat bins anywhere in schools, gyms, playgrounds, Anywhere out in the public for that matter. And we, when we look at the, um, the line item funding allotment plans for districts, we just look at them randomly. They might spend $1,500 on health and safety equipment, um, coming up in their school year, but they'll spend, you know, $490,000 on, on, uh, athletic you know, new new stadiums and astroturf and uniforms.
1: So I think so, what you're saying is if this were about trying to keep people safe from a virus, they yes. sort of forgot to actually do things that looks like they're keeping people safe from the virus, especially children. Yeah. Is that what you're there's saying?
0: There's no there's no hazardous waste, any any kind of in any of the the budgets that we're looking at. There's so little spent on health and safety, $1,500 is the average out of, you know, what could be half a million dollars for a school or a half a billion dollars for a school.
1: It's a nod. It's (laughs) basically a nod, whereas all the money is being spent. What do you see that strategic wise, what are they trying to accomplish here with the schools? I mean, it just looks like more of the Marxist takedown so they can be in complete control of this upcoming generation.
0: Well, all these CDC recommendations that they're making requirements and all the district and state plans, that's just one part of it. Masking kids, isolating quarantine, the the constant testing, it, it puts the children in schools in a constant state of fear. And I think that's exactly where they want them. When you think about it, most of 2020, the schools were all closed and kids were at home, right? And A lot of the money from the CARES Act went to schools to to help the SR1 money, went to help schools build um, remote learning platforms because there were so many schools that didn't have that. So kids weren't getting any schooling at all. But what happened? Kids were at home and parents were seeing what they were learning. And so when the ARP Act came out and they dropped the interim final requirements, one of the requirements was a plan called the um, safe return to in-person instruction and continuity plan. Every district had to complete that plan and it had all the requirements in it. But in-person learning was so important because they needed to get kids back out of the homes and into the classrooms because parents were not happy about what they were seeing. There's the just,
1: parents were waking up. Yeah, and but here's,
0: parents- here's a Here's another part of the interim requirements, though, that people need to know about. It's not just the CDC stuff. It's also social-emotional learning, which everybody knows is the same as CRT. And if you look at the district and state-level plans for some states, it's heavy, heavy CRT material.
1: Okay, so social-emotional learning is a euphemism for... um, CRT. CRT, which has gotten a very bad name. And that's probably part of what parents woke up to. So yeah. all of a sudden, critical race theory became on all of the conservative and especially conservative Christian parents radar. Yeah. Whereas it's been going on in the schools for a long time, but people right. just they have to keep care. changing the name. Because people are on to them,
0: they come down on the school, and then the school will change it to social emotional learning (SEL) and D E and I, which is diversity, equity, and inclusion. So you have to look for all the different code, you know, the code talk to figure it out. But in the interim final requirements, I mean, how this how this relates to the health and safety of kids for COVID is beyond me. But they've managed to squeeze in all these requirements for social emotional learning and on top of that there are a lot of really scary requirements for mental health and if you look at a lot of district plans and their funding allotments they've they've hired hundreds of mental health workers uh, counselors um, m- enough to throw up a red flag for us as researchers to say why does this school district want to hire 200 you know counselors and mental health workers We've
1: well, and money on as, as a former mental health worker myself, you know, as a psychologist 25 years ago, we were treating kids for gender identity disorder and gender dysphoria, which were actual diagnoses in the DSM-IV manual. And now if you are ex- have the exact same job and had the same training I did, which was actually very, very super liberal training. And I had to sort of the program myself over the course of years because all yes. social workers and psychologists are all deep, deep in that kind of training. And so they're gonna love the whole inclusion and equity. The languaging sounds really nice, you know, and they yeah. kind of keep you trapped in this in this idea that we all have to fight this injustice, even though it's completely ludicrous. And you and I both grew up in very multicultural circuit. You almost can't not grow up in multicultural circumstances. Yeah. It's never been okay in my lifetime to be racist. I remember my yeah. grandfather who fought, you know, in world war two would say words and we would just gasp. And we was like, grandpa, you can't say things like that. But like, <laughs> yeah. our, like racism is just, it's like, it went away a long time ago, but they're yeah. you know, like reviving yeah. it. And, and I just wonder, um, they seem to be really empowering the mental health professionals, because the mental health professionals can now not question, for instance, if someone wants to experiment with changing genders. Yeah. I mean, you really, do you know that? That, that mental health professionals cannot question about it. Yeah. And they don't have to talk to parents about
0: it. They have the counselors at the school and those are, they, they basically are the proxies for mom and dad. And so a lot of parents don't even know that, you know, that their kids are in counseling at schools. And I think they want it that way. I think the more that they can we call them government indoctrination camps so we call that's what we call public schools because that's what they do and the masking and the SEL and the mental health is all just one more way that the federal government can just get their hooks into kids and rip them out of parents arms and and it's just we we're we're seeing it i mean there are just so many that's why Moms for Liberty is so popular and they're just popping up everywhere because they're they're on this. I mean, they are so amazing, but you know, they're, and they did it out of necessity. I think Moms for Liberty probably would just not like to exist and and become obsolete, but they have to be in this fight because the minds and the hearts and the souls of their children are at risk here. It's horrible.
1: So do you think it it was like a mistake that the cabal made in letting all these kids go home and their parents are now up close and personal and seeing what they're learning? Do you think it was sort of an unintended consequence of the kids going home because of the scary virus that all of a sudden the parents... We're seeing what was happening, and they were like, "Uh-oh, let's Absolutely. get them back in school so we can take back control." Is that what happened?
0: Yeah. Well, yeah, the ARP Act. You could see desperation. It did, it just smells like 500 pages of sweat and desperation to me because it's just full of all the ways that they can get kids back into the classroom, but they want to control them in the classroom. You know, and all the the big. You know, plastic shields and the masks and they're just robbing them of their identities. And then they go home and the kids hate their parents because of what they're learning in school. And I think it's designed that way. But yeah, the ARP act was a, was such a departure from the two acts that Trump signed in 2020. Such a departure. Well, the interim final requirements is the big thing. They snuck those in. After they just got all these schools addicted. And I should mention that the CDC actually released a report in December of 2020 that said every school in the United States could safely reopen for $25 billion. $25 billion was all it would take. And yet the federal government piled 120, almost $125 billion onto schools. That was overkill. And that, I mean, if they would have given just less than that, a little bit less, it might not have thrown up so many red flags for us to keep digging on what really happened. But the fact that they gave them so much money was just, I mean, who could sit by and just watch that money pour into states and not question What do do they want for that money?
1: I think you said that there's somewhere around half a billion dollars that each school district was given. I mean, that's an insane amount of money. And it it didn't go to textbooks, did it? No.
0: mm -mm. Um, No, it's going to... If you can look at the funding plan for every district, and the great news about the ARP Act is that it clearly states that everything must be publicly available on the school district websites, and it has to be available to parents and stakeholders. And so sometimes we have to spend a couple of hours digging through embedded links to find these documents. But so far, every single district that we've looked at, we've been able to find their funding allotment plans, how they're going to spend that money, like detailed funding allotment plans. They're um, safe return to school plan, where they say exactly how they're going to implement those um, requirements, those CDC requirements. It, it, it's all in there. And a lot of them include, a lot of the state plans and district plans actually include documentation of their SEL programs. And their mental health programs. Michigan is probably one of the worst. I was looking through their district plans and they were including actual documentation of what they're teaching kids regarding SEL. Horrific. Horrific. And when
1: parents saw it, um, they were just, they were blown away because they had no idea. SEL, tell us a little bit more about what they are being taught.
0: Um, Well, it's, it's pretty simple. If if you're a brown-skinned person, you're a victim. If you're a light-skinned person, you're an oppressor. And that's the way it's always going to be. And you should hate each other. I mean, that's really the basis of it. I mean, and children just, they just aren't programmed that way. You know, they don't look at people and say, I hate you because you have a different color skin. You know, I'm, I'm, I'm mad at you because you oppress me. I mean, what children actually say that? They don't think it. They don't say it. But when adults hammer that into their little brains enough times, then then they go home and they start questioning their parents about what they were taught to accept everyone and love everyone. yeah, and here we like, I don't know any racists either. It's just insane to think that they're teaching kids this,
1: yeah, but I mean than, you know we're, we're a <laughs> country even, that elected a black president twice. It was mostly white people who elected him. And it's like, I don't know about you, but I'm pretty sure I can speak for you too, that we grew up in schools where if you want to be a social outcast, then say something racist because it's not been okay for the last 55 years of my life. I know. I grew up in a military family and we moved every three years. And I
0: can't even imagine. We were, we were, we were rainbow gangs. There were just so many of us of all different backgrounds, shapes, and colors. And it never occurred to us that there was a difference
1: between us. Yeah, I, in <laughs> elementary school, my two best friends—one was one was uh, Ch- one was Japanese and one was black—and like, yeah. I don't, I didn't remember like thinking about that until I was an adult. And you know, yeah. and, but you know, like, I dragged my husband into this conversation mostly so I can say I'm going to talk about race, and I got to say whatever I want because I'm married to a black man, and I'm going to talk <laughs> about this and how completely stupid this is and how. We have been race blending for generations right? Now. and yeah. these programs are trying to take us back. They're trying to actually push people back to the plantation. And that's can what you they imagine? Want. Can you imagine children coming home who have who have a, a white
0: parent and a black parent, and they go home and the confusion they must. Have, no wonder they're putting mental health professionals in schools because kids are so torn. I mean, I I heard a story. In Williamson County, Tennessee, where there's a, a Moms for Liberty, and um and the the kid's seven years old, and he is he is in therapy because he can't reconcile that his mom is an oppressor and his dad is a
1: victim. He's seven, Ugh. And, and he and he really just he shouldn't have to. No, it's horrible,
0: and the fact that they put these requirements in there, and and you know a lot of school districts. That we've seen, their plans don't really include anything for for SEL, other than saying we will meet the social emotional learning needs of our students, and that's it. They just they comply by just saying we're going to do we're going to meet their needs, but a lot of the districts we saw actually provide examples
1: of how they're going to do that. It's it's awful. It's awful what we yeah they're they're bringing racism back. I mean, I remember in twenty twenty, I did a. I did a Facebook live with, with my husband and I was like, all right, dig deep. now. (laughs) you're a, you, you're a black person adopted by white people raised in one of the whitest places in America. Like dig deep for me here. Can you think of an example of being discriminated against for your race? And he was like, he's like, there was this one thing that this kid said to me in fourth grade. So he said, said an N word to me and that's it. That's all he's got. For 41 years he's wow. got 41 years of can't think of any other times that anyone has been anything but actually if anything everybody wants in utah where it's so white if anything everybody wants to be friends with john like he's way cooler <laughs> way cooler than i am because everybody like needs a shield against being called racist because mm-hmm. it's it's this new thing and we didn't have you and i didn't have to deal with it we didn't grow up with this conversation around racism no. just hung out with all of our friends of all different races. Yes.
0: There was, there was so many ethnicities when I was growing up and I'm just hard, I'm If I had kids in school right now, I don't know what I would do. I would be a wreck. I'd probably have PTSD over it because what parents have to deal with now is not what we had to deal with when our kids were in school. We have yeah. great now who are in school and I just don't, I don't, I don't really know how our daughters are dealing with, Or even if they are having to deal with these problems.
1: I I do think that, you know, and I've said this before, and I'm sorry for those of you who listen to every one of my episodes that you heard me say this once before, but I really don't know how to overemphasize this. I would have never guessed when my children are in elementary school how completely bought in on the agenda they are. Uh, I've watched them one by one fall for the LGBTQIA+. Agenda and like, I literally had a debate with my husband a couple months ago. He's like, "There's no IA," and I'm like, "Yes, there is." Every couple years, they stick a couple more letters in, and and transhuman is next. Watch and Yeah, I'm sure it is. I'm sure you're right about that. And and I think that we, you know, if I had it to do over again, and my youngest brother and his wife did this, even though they both work, they pulled all four of their kids out of elementary school because they still have you still have a lot of authority, and you're still the primary uh influence on your child in elementary school once your kids get into junior high and high school like they're not it's they're tough to pull yeah. out of the school system because they just want to be with their friends and that's all they care right. about and if you bring them home they're just going to be mad at you but you, your choices are about to be over after sixth grade you guys if you want to yeah. pull your kids out pull them out now now you say don't go to the school district and cry and beg them to take your kids out of masks you no. say do go to the school board meeting but what but
0: confront them Take the evidence stop giving them things that they don't care about. And you need to start at, the, look at the district plan. Every district plan has a superintendent's signature on it. The state plan has your commissioner of education signature on it, their date and signature when those things were were submitted. Those are the belly buttons you push. But go to your school boards, take the evidence, and tell them, we know that this is how much money we got for the school, and here is the set of requirements for this district that our superintendent submitted. And we're here to tell you that from this day forward, mask noncompliance and civil disobedience are going to be the things that we teach our kids at home. And they're not coming to school with masks anymore. They're You're not testing them. You're not quarantining them. You're not isolating them. No more. It's over.
1: It's over. Once there's one kid who takes a stand, I've seen some videos of like a- a kid and like all the other kids are like, yes, and they're right behind him. It takes that one. And I think a lot of parents have an opportunity here to coach their children to take a stand that's courageous, that will serve them for the rest of their life, because this battle isn't going anywhere. And there's some children who haven't been leaders yet who could be leaders in the school yeah. and the children could take a role in it. But as parents, when you were on Dell's show, you said, go to the school board meeting and tell them to give the money back. Is yeah, that even possible? That's the next
0: step. Yes, it is possible. And I'll tell you an example of an entire city in Texas that actually did. And uh, God bless them. They're just amazing. I'm, I'm, I just want them to be heroes in the whole world. But, um, yes, um, I think that parents need to go to their school boards. They need to tell them, you know, give the money back. But, but here's the thing. Two thirds of that sr three money was given before the requirements. So, I think they should only give that last third. Any money that they took after April 22nd, they should just say, our obligation to you federal government is over. Here's that last third of the money that any money that we got after April 23rd.
1: Everything else. Do you think it's unspent? Nothing you can do about it. What's do you think? Do you think that money is unspent? Do you think it's still sitting there that, that right now if people go to the school boards and they're probably going to have to educate the actual school board members? Cause like yes. you said, and, and that was my, that's know. what I suspected is that the school board members actually don't know. That's a thing with Marxism. Some of them do.
0: I bet the school board oh, no. lawyers know. I bet the school board lawyers all know. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But, but you're right. Um, but yeah, everything after, after September and for some of the districts we see, some of them haven't spent the money. In fact, some districts haven't even had their ESSER three plans approved yet. Okay. So some of them haven't even received their ESSER very few, I think, because the, the federal government made sure in March last year that two thirds were released to the states. And all the district plans were due by the end of summer last year. So if any were really, really tardy in getting their um, district plans in, I can see where their their district funds would be delayed. But yeah, but the next step, though, is for parents to go in a very large number to their superintendent and say, your name is on here. You're the one that we're coming to and give them a chance to say, okay, you know what? We're going to give this money back and we're not going to do this anymore. All the, all the requirements are re- released. We're free from them. Give them a chance to do that. If they lie like so many have, I've seen videos where people have confronted the superintendents and the superintendent says, we don't take that kind of funding and that's not tied to requirements. And then we say, oh, really? And then we send the group that that's confronting them, the actual district, That was signed and dated by the superintendent, where it clearly says what they're going to do and the money that was given to them, the exact amount of money that was given to that district. Then they go to that superintendent and say, "You know what? You have just broken a public trust by lying to us when you know good and well that this is what you did."
1: Okay, where where does a parent who's in a school district find this information to take it to the school board?
0: Well, we set up telegram groups for every state, and we're putting. All of the evidence, all the proof documents into each state. And, um, and most of the states are complete now. There's still a few that, that are not complete because there's some of the groups are so big. I mean, we've got so many parents in some of these groups and they have a bazillion questions, rightly so. Um, so we're, we're putting those in, but if they want to go to my, um, my telegram, it's just at AJ DePriest. And tell me what state you're looking for. I'll give you the link and you can just join that, the state group. And if you look for almost all the documents are pinned and I've also marked them with big purple circles. So if you see uh, posts with big purple circles, those are, those are proof docs that you can use. We put the state plans in there. They're all signed by the commissioners of education for each state. We put in the approval letters from the Department of Education in DC. We put in all of the allocation tables for each district, all of the um, the health and safety plans for each, each district. And a lot of states are very efficient. It was just one spreadsheet. You open it there's, you find your district. Then the next column, there's a link to the funding allotment plan. And then in the next column, there's the, the link to the health and safety plan. So they made it very efficient and very easy for us to find everything. Although today, have, it's simple.
1: In Utah, we have two parents who are facing criminal charges that just totally trumped up. I think they're just making an example of them just so that all these law-abiding conservative Parents are scared and so they don't go to school board meetings. They did absolutely nothing wrong. Brittany Lindsay and Aaron Davidson, they've had these cases hanging over their heads, stressing them out for like a year now. I stand with them. I have donated money. If they need lawyers, I'm right here for them. I'll raise money for them beyond what I can provide. But I just want everybody who's hearing this to know that you have to decide if you're going to be afraid because of some trumped up charges of of misusing public funds by misusing law enforcement for mm-hmm. law-abiding parents who have a right to go to the school board and have their voices heard. Now you have more ammunition. That yeah. Those school the boards took there. money. They took money to put your children in bondage. Everything from test to stay and test to play to masks. In Utah, the legislature just shut down mask mandates. And Governor Cox, who's a total cabal governor, is sitting there holding millions of masks that he had just paid for with federal dollars that he was about to impose on all the schools and he was like trapped because suddenly what he was supposed to do to answer to his cabal overlords (laughs) he couldn't do because of the legislature so you guys we can make a difference Mm -hmm. right we just we just shut down a horrible lot yesterday in the Utah legislature, this kind of stuff is happening all over the country right now. There's a bill being heard in multiple States that I know of. I don't know how to do the research to see if it's in all 50, but all these stories that I'm telling about these families, whose uh, parents were murdered in the hospitals with treatments and drugs. They did not want in every single case. They told me they tell stories of their, and they cry when they tell me this of their father With his legs and his arms flailing as he's literally being sedated and held down so they could force a mask on him that he said he didn't want. His children are sitting there saying he doesn't want it. They keep you out of the, the, the hospital room. They cannot possibly have two of you in there. Right now, these state legislatures are considering a bill and this is how they sell it in, in the media is they call it a bill so that People can't attack healthcare workers because who's against attacking healthcare workers, right? We're imagining some, you know, psychotic person stabbing a nurse. Well, that's a terrible thing. That's not what this bill is doing, though. What this bill is doing is criminalizing anybody being in your loved one's hospital room standing for patient rights. So
0: what states have what states are, are looking at that bill?
1: I know that, that it's already passed the Utah Senate. Because these, really? these Yeah, because these legislators are are passing or voting on twenty bills a day, and these bills are a hundred and two hundred and four hundred pages. And I know that and I know that uh Maryland is is uh looking at a very similar one. So so these bills are being written somewhere <laughs> way above by a bunch of lawyers who yeah. make a lobbyist, hospital mm-hmm. and medical lobbyist and
0: pharmaceutical lobbyist. That's who's writing these bills. Well, in Tennessee, we're doing something very, very opposite. We have, uh, a bill that's, that's about to be introduced. It's a patient bill of rights act. And, and the other part of the, the research we've done into the medical side of this blood money, mm-hmm. um, has led us to form an organization called the Adam Group and it's COVID education and advocacy. And on our website, theatomgroup.net, we, we help people understand how to prevent COVID and how to seek early treatment so that you don't have to go to the hospital. That's the number one goal of the Adam group. But as a side to that, we have an advocacy area that we actually help people either get out of hospitals who have been medically kidnapped or help get families in who have been separated deliberately from their loved ones. And, um, it's, it's, it's been such a horrific experience here in Tennessee. Oh, the, I mean, we have people who have video evidence of things that happened to them. I'm going to introduce you to them so they can come on your show. You won't believe. Yeah, you will. Yeah. From the stories you've heard, I'm sure you will. But, um, but our legislature is actually listening to the people and what's happening. And this patient bill of rights act, I hope will make our work obsolete. As far as the, the hospital advocacy work, because it it will, it will ensure that these things don't happen anymore. Tennessee can be the leader in this if our legislature would pass it, but we're, we're battling the, the lies from the medical establishment, the hospital uh, lobbyists, the pharmaceutical lobbyists. And then of course, I'm sure you know about the PrEP Act. Everybody is just nobody can sue. Everybody's rights to counsel and, and a trial jury. Their their rights are being denied because of the PrEP Act. And well if
1: if David Martin is right that they have committed felonies, then that pierces the veil of yes. the protection they have in the both the PrEP Act and the nineteen eighty six Nas- National Vaccine Injury and Compensation Act. So if that's it's the finding, case, we may have a shot.
0: It's it's finding lawyers who are brave enough to stand up to
1: to this huge, huge, eight thousand pound gorilla, and that judges awesome. and judges that yeah. aren't subverted and that will do the right thing rather than the thing that is, you know, expeditious for their career. I would very much like to interview whoever in Tennessee is. Behind this patient rights bill, because I believe that it's happening in probably most, if not all the states in the country. Because like I said, this isn't happening in a state by state basis. This is coming from the same people who are flooding the Mm -hmm. education system and the healthcare system with cash so that everybody shuts up. And I don't think that I think that a lot of people in the middle and people at surprisingly high rank inside Mm -hmm. the education system and the medical system are completely oblivious to all of this. I mean, these these families that I'm interviewing are talking about how there are good healthcare workers who, if they can get them alone, and I just called a respiratory therapist friend of mine who works at a huge hospital here in Florida. And we talk about all this stuff all the time and he's wide awake on it. And he says, if I can get the patients alone, I'll tell them. But what we're really up against and how we try to fight for them, but they're gonna have to fight for themselves because we just lose our jobs if we're going to. So there are plenty of healthcare workers who see it, Uh And we're doing what they can to do good medicine for the patient while they're there. But the problem is they too are up against these robotic zombies who seem to be planted there in the hospital with the express imperative of driving the agenda forward. They said- Right and 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 I think that some of them I'm I'm still putting pieces together I do not whatsoever know any of this this is all theory based on a bunch of data points that I'm trying to put together by interviewing these families but it appears to me that in 2021 they started installing patient advocates in the hospital and they're 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 paid by the hospital yeah they're not patient advocates they're hospital advocates right right and <laughs> and, and and this one they're family definitely not meet, for patients. Uh, the first time they saw the patient advocate is the patient advocate came in to tell the family, we have a problem with your family. Okay. So right there, <laughs> at, on what level is this advocating for the patient? And, and what this hospital advocate who has the title of patient advocate was trying to say is I'm only going to talk to one of y'all. There's nine children. This is the family that both the father and the mother, mother were murdered in the Utah healthcare system. The dad only went to be with the mom. And yeah. then he ends up on the COVID Express and he ends up dead. Like right. he had woken up and gone for a run and changed the, the tire on his car by 5 a.m. Like this guy was healthy. He hadn't seen a doctor in 50 years. I'm like retelling a story. And I'm sorry for all those of you who have already heard it because I'm right about to publish this. It turned me upside down this weekend. And now I've got all these other families lined up saying, I want to tell my story. And they're 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 super emotional. So we we need a patient's rights bill because... You're right. There are big lobbying interests who are—they—they uh, they don't even realize what they're involved in. I think these people, like we call her bubblehead, Dr. Graham in Timpanogos Hospital, who killed this gentleman who was very healthy, but you know, ended up in on the COVID Express. You know, a Dr. Graham in Timpanogos High School wearing a bubblehead and an oxygen mask on her back, yelling at this family, predicting this man's death like a witch or a warlock, hexing him. She's, she, is to, she so feels totally righteous. She thinks what she's doing is, is good and right.
0: Yeah. <laughs> we've, we've seen those too. We have, we have hundreds of those doctors around Tennessee too. And, and I think, uh, I think the figure now for Tennessee is right at about 23,000 deaths. And none of those people died at home from COVID, by the way. None of them. They all died in hospitals. And our governor spent $20 million of taxpayer money promoting and advertising and marketing that COVID shot. When they were all still EUA, well, they're all still EUA, but at the time when they were all EUA, he had an obligation under federal EUA law to present the alternative treatments and he failed to do that. So all the early treatments that could have saved those 23,000 people, our governor failed to do. I mean, I hold him, I hold him so responsible and he's a Republican governor. Yep. Billy. Yep. But he, he just, he refused. He promoted this shot like it was the only thing in the world that would help people. And if he would have spent a fraction of that marketing money on alternative treatments, like he should have, according to EUA law, I don't know how many people would have been saved who, who just wouldn't have gone to the hospital. They would have been treated at home under primary care doctor and been fine. They would have recovered.
1: Yeah. I think we're, I think we're all figuring this out. After two years and now everybody just got Omicron and now everybody's immune. And so it's like, we're figuring out too little too late. But yeah, Bill Lee is a ding dong. Um, <laughs> That's a funny way to put it. But yeah, <laughs> at best,
0: at best, he's rhino, ding-dong. bought and sold, friend of Bill Gates, all that <laughs> ding dong. <laughs> yeah, it's sad, but it's true. And, and the thing is he's up for reelection and, um, we're, we're just really hoping that somebody will. Beat him, but I don't know if that's going to happen. So, I mean, yeah. the people, people have to take control of the situation. People okay. have to invoke their own lesser magistrate doctrine and they have to stand up to these tyrannical forces in our government. And that's the only way it's going to stop really. So
1: if anybody isn't in Telegram, you guys, Telegram is the only place that we're really spe- able to speak our minds. Like they disappeared yeah. parlor right? Just with, oh, really? I don't know why, I don't know why that. those guys hosted it on Amazon. That was a mistake. So I never got involved in Parlor for that reason. And neither. Sure enough. So if you have to download the Telegram app in the Apple store or whatever you people who have Androids do, I don't really know, but, and then I'm going to put in the show notes to find at AJ DePriest, D is D E priest, AJ De Priest mm-hmm. AJ DePriest, and she'll send you to the one for your state. If you're That's sitting right. on the sidelines eating popcorn and going go truckers and not involved in this fight, it, we need more people in this fight. And she can't yeah. do it for all 50 states. Are there any other resources that people should go to?
0: Um, We, we do have a fascist book page. As much as we hate it, it does serve a purpose. Um, mm-hmm. So our fascist book page is TN Liberty Network. And, um, right there posted at the top of TN Liberty Network is, um, is a list of all the 50 states. And then you can go there and find that pinned post and get to the states that way. And, um, and we post a lot of other things and TN Liberty Network is now a private group because fascist book kept putting me in jail. <laughs> yeah. How could they? I'm so insulted.
1: <laughs> yeah. I, I spent, I did 30, I did five 30 day prison sentences last. Year. And you know, we all make jokes about it because it's just going to fascist book jail. But we should really see this as a harbinger of things to come and get involved. Get involved. We need we need more people. We need to wake up the lions, the sheep. The sheep are gonna be sheep, but we need the people who are willing to actually take some action to get involved. And, you know, we found when I put Take Action for Freedom up on Facebook. In the beginning of March 2020, so very beginning, we, we learned the hard way that actually fascist book hates all groups that have freedom or liberty in their name. Yeah, we figured that out. ITN <laughs> Liberty Network and our,
0: our good friends and partners down in Chattanooga are Tennessee Neighbors for Liberty. And they they manage to skate a lot under the radar. I don't know how they do it, but they're another marvelous group in Tennessee. But they have the word Liberty in their name, so a lot of their posts are targeted. You know, I mean, we're we're throttled down big time. That's fine. Yeah, they're
1: they're not going to. So you can go to to TN Liberty Network, but you have to go there to find out what resources they're sharing there. It's not Facebook isn't going to put it in your feed. We were growing by 500 a day. And when we hit 20,000 for take action for freedom, all of a sudden they have about, I've documented about 30 different ways that they, that they punish me on my various pages. And so Facebook Uh isn't my, you know, you don't give up ground in enemy territory, right? People are like, why are you on Facebook? Well, because I've built some stuff out there for 13 years now. It's a necessary
0: evil. It's a necessary evil.
1: Yeah, you don't you don't give up ground in enemy territory, but it's not really where we do the work. So go to go to um you have to download Telegram if you're not there. That's where where the whole thing's going down is in Telegram. And go to at AJ DePriest. We'll put um your Telegram handle in the show notes below. And AJ, thank you so much for educating us. I I have spent probably three thousand hours now since the beginning of this learning. But listening to what you had to say was such a gift because you sat there and you read hundreds of pages to to figure out what's yeah. really going on in our schools.
0: We did. I mean, the the Tennessee Liberty Network team is absolutely fearless. And we don't take money from anyone. Nobody funds us. We're all volunteers. and um, And because of that, we know that the integrity of our research is good. And no one ever challenges it because we have the evidence. So come get the evidence and use it. And we we put lots of tools and there's lots of conversations in the telegram groups to help people figure out how to use the evidence to take down these tyrannical power systems in their state.
1: You gotta Okay. Do it. Well, Tennesseans, go join up and uh, God bless you. And thank you for everything you're doing. AJ DePriest. Thank you. Thank you very much.